listeners. Welcome to Three Thoughts. Today's episode is on empathy to action. Recently, a listener and a great friend mentioned that empathy sometimes gets a bad rap and it loses, it can lose its meaning if it's just about feelings and doesn't translate into action. And a lot of this comes from the world of persuasion, where advertisers or humanitarian causes appeal to empathy as a means to get someone to act, to buy the thing, or to give time or money to the cause. And when studies find that this doesn't work terribly well or reliably, we think empathy has somehow failed. And that could even be worse if we feel something, but consciously decide not to do something. And the resulting byproduct emotion of that scenario is guilt. Today is an effort to begin debunking empathy's bad rap. And to do that, we need to start way earlier in the process than being charitable or an impulse buyer. We need to start with a definition and with ourselves. Thanks for the provocative question. This one's for you, Mark. I have heard over the years lots of definitions of what empathy is and what it isn't. Where does it stop and start? Is it better or worse than sympathy? Stronger or weaker? Does it have an active component? So thought one, operational definition. The definition I use in my research and in my life is simple. Empathy is feeling with another. And I recently saw an article with a chart This was great. Uh, Defining engagement. Had engagement at the bottom in huge letters. It was from Psychology Today. I'll link to it. And it started, it was a left to right chart with arrows and like growing bigger. It started on the left with pity and it ended with compassion. So pity was defined as, I acknowledge your suffering. Then next was sympathy, next up in the kind of intensity ladder. And that was, I care about your suffering. Then empathy I feel your suffering. And finally, compassion. I want to relieve your suffering. But there's a miss in this. One word in all of these definitions confuses people. Your. So if I need to feel your suffering to have empathy, there are a million reasons why I cannot empathize with you. Say I have never been abused or cheated on. I've never lived as anything but a white person. I've never been on death row. So while I may pity or sympathize with you or even have compassion for you, according to this idea of engagement, I cannot have empathy because I haven't experienced your suffering. Now, let's be clear. I doubt that whomever coined this definition ever meant it in this literal sense, but it's resulted in massive confusion and a setup for empathy to fail when it cannot be produced, much less produce action or behavior change. Let's try it with a slight semantic change, feeling with another. You might see that or sense that we're missing a piece of the puzzle. And you might be thinking, this isn't adding up. And that's because we need the next piece of data in order to see if empathy is going to be triggered. So we need to know what is the emotion the other is feeling. Go back to our scenarios. We can feel terror or invalidation that one feels when abused or cheated on. We can feel humiliation, fear, and injustice that one feels when being discriminated against. We can feel loneliness, worthlessness, and disconnected 
without being imprisoned. So all you have to do to empathize is get to the emotional state of another, to feel that emotion with them, not their experience, but the emotions attached to it. Call it up. Remember a time when you felt grief or loss or fear or resentment. It's much easier to do and imagine this with positively charged emotions like love, excitement, joy. We don't need to do as much work there to call up the emotion and stand in another person's shoes. But for hurtful states of being, it takes a little digging. You can see how empathy is a learnable communication skill, just like writing or speaking or presenting. Because we humans deal in a pretty finite set of emotions. Think about next time you're faced with someone who's, um, let's say, lost a parent and you haven't yet. And you think, maybe it's best that I avoid her because I don't know what to say. That's when you want to get with the feeling. When have you experienced extreme debilitating grief? That's it. That's empathy. So you let yourself feel it, then contact them and simply listen and be there. There's no need to do anything but listen. Thought number two, empathy to action is most often small and starts with ourselves. The first order of business, if you want to experience empathy to action, is to begin with yourself, making a conscious effort to feel with yourself. I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, I love this one, we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. It's so true, but we tend to completely ignore that we have a self that we need to listen to and feel with on the daily. We're kind of on autopilot for the most part, asleep while our body, mind, and spirit are hard at work trying to get our attention. It is empathy to action to sit with yourself quietly, to talk with yourself. Most of us, sadly, are hopelessly out of touch with ourselves in an empathic sense. Think about how you communicate with yourself. Do you look at yourself? Do you listen? Do you feel? When you need sleep or connection or quiet or nutrition or maybe you just need to cry like a baby, do you do it? Do you allow that? So many of us, myself included, don't. Other things like learning to ask for help, regularly visiting yourself and knowing deeply who you are and aren't knowing how to set boundaries with yourself and others, creating an optimal physical environment for you to be in. And I'm not talking about spending money or plush digs or anything like that. I mean simple things like a scent you like or colors that bring your energy up or materials you like to be surrounded with like wood or metal or glass or stone or plants, Um, decluttering things. These don't require money and they can all make an enormous difference. So most of us don't have a regular practice of listening to ourselves, let alone listening without judgment. Remember on some of the other episodes, I talk about self-talk and how 90% of it, our own self-talk is hurtful, not helpful. It's just a terrible ratio. So you can start right now being an empathy to action vehicle by empathically listening to yourself on a regular basis. That's, I would say, step one, even though it's under thought too. Now, let's think about empathy to action in the outward or other focused way. It's important to note that action is rarely the grandiose type. Like, you know, we think empathy to action, oh, somebody donated a million dollars 
to a charity or they volunteer somewhere. These are noble, explicit actions, to be sure. But the truth is that they occur at a fraction of the frequency of the subtle, tiny, implicit actions. And these are the ones we remember. The ones we go to our deathbed being grateful for. Like having the courage to call the friend who lost her parent and just listen. In your head, you can be thinking about anything you like. Like how uncomfortable you are. Or am I helping? Or am I putting my foot in my mouth? You don't have to literally bring up the feelings you're calling up in order to feel her grief. Keep that and your own thoughts about it in your head. Recall the first time you grieved or felt a loss and sit in that emotion and listen. You don't need any other words. So even if it's awkward, which it will be, you may simply say one line. I'm calling to see how you are right now. Not how you are in general, which is obviously really loaded, or even how you are today, because that could have changed for that person 100 times. But how are you right now? And listen for their emotional state. Then you may need to shift into calling up others to empathize. Maybe they say fatigue, confusion, overwhelm, whatever the person mentions, get with it and be an empathic witness. So taking a moment to register the feelings is key. Dismissing empathy as feelings without action, in my opinion, is an excuse not to do it. And I fall victim to it all the time. So we don't love getting into the emotional weeds because it's uncomfortable. And it's part of the shield we use to not get into looking at ourselves, which is what's really required to be other-oriented. So learning to listen empathically is empathy to action. It often has no valor. It has no credit. It's not sexy because it's not quantifiable. But listening is doing. And it's what's best about the human species, in my opinion. Okay, thought three. Be a platform. Now, this one's under the radar and less direct, so you got to stay with me here. Are you someone who has a platform? And I don't mean a celebrity or an official mentor of some kind or a role model. You don't have to be those things to have a platform. You just need to be someone who other people look to for advice. And there are millions of you out there, and you know who you are. People ask you for feedback. They ask you for your thoughts and opinions on things. If you're one of those people... You have an obligation to be a platform. And the beauty is that you can and should use this platform for yourself as well. So it's going to benefit you just as much as it benefits everybody else. So when you encounter people who politically, religiously, morally, ethically, aesthetically, financially, don't mesh philosophically with you for whatever reasons, you can get curious about that person and listen without judgment, listening just for curiosity. So now's a good time to insert another definition, empathic witness. I've mentioned this a couple times on the show, and it's, it's good to just define it. So what do I mean by it? An empathic witness is someone who listens without judgment. There's no agenda but to understand the other person. They show compassion and care without necessarily trying to fix or change anything. It may go there, but that's not their agenda. That's not what they start with. So back to the person who you morally disagree with. You can listen empathically. So you can relay 
what you learned about that person and what they had to say, what they believe, maybe what goes into their thoughts, their decision-making, their morals or ethics, their convictions, what drives their behavior, so that other people will hear them through you because you already know they're going to listen. You have that credibility conferred upon you. And that's what I mean by be a platform. I'll give you an example. Recently, on the religious front, I've connected, and this has happened in succession, so it, <laughs> I'm taking the signal that it means something, but I've, I've connected with a few people who are very deeply religious. Both happen to be Christians, both really familiar with the Bible, and they live by it, They're, they quote scripture, etc., And before In Kind was born, I would not have been interested in engaging with these people simply because they live by a different set of beliefs and rules than I do. I thought I would not be able to understand or even get curious about the origins of their thoughts or decisions or behavior. It was radical and rigid, and it was just too far from my perceptions of how to live life, or so I thought. Because In Kind is a massive classroom in personal growth for me, I'm taking more steps in the direction of empathy by learning to be an empathic witness to everyone who comes to this table. Everyone. So in both cases, the container of listening with no judgment, only to understand, has opened up a new way of thinking for me about God, organized religion, faith-based life. It previously terrified me to find myself, and I would, I would go to any length to avoid finding myself in a conversation with an intensely religious person of any faith, by the way, uh, because I thought it might somehow taint or rub off on me. And the truth is that it did in these recent conversations rub off, but in a most surprising way. What happened is it illuminated again how alike we all are as humans. The action that was produced by feeling with these two other men is that I've been exploring my own thoughts about God, religion, beliefs, the role of faith, even heaven and hell, and a host of other concepts that I thought I'd resign myself to knowing the truth about. But I'm not so sure now. And I'm taking these baby steps to learn more and to talk more with other people and to talk about it, importantly, in my circles, which, as you can guess, are like-minded people who share my general morals and ethics. So you can see where I'm going here. There's this ripple effect. There is a scaling of empathy. It's micro to macro, right under our noses. And there's an eloquence to that. I feel incredibly willing and genuinely curious about how I can feel with them instead of labeling and assuming and closing off someone who's just reading from different books than I do, quite literally. I was putting my moral convictions in front of and in the way of whatever they had to say and dismissing them, which to me is the ultimate action that results from judgment. That's dismissal. A great example of someone who does this with exceptional skill is Howard Stern. Whatever you think about his communication style or his demeanor, He routinely brings people on his show who he philosophically disagrees with. And through that, it's a path from empathy to action because you can get people to first understand someone who you think you don't fundamentally want to hear from or bother with. 
and you can potentially take action to understand further. It may spark you to have conversations with others, something that you heard on his show that um, you also didn't agree with and, and you know you heard him talking with this guest and trying to understand this guest. Maybe you would do some research. Maybe you would change your attitude or your own behavior. And these may seem small and subtle, but they add up. There's a reason why Howard has been interviewing people since like the 1980s. And incidentally, I believe his Sirius XM show stops this very month in December 2020. But regardless, uh, he's an example of someone who lives this empathy to action and we might otherwise never notice that that's actually what it is. All right, so to summarize, thought one, empathy is feeling with another. It's a learnable communication skill that involves identifying someone's emotions, not their experiences, and calling up those emotions in yourself so that you can feel with them. Two, empathy to action is most often small and starts with ourselves. So remember that listening is doing. It's majorly and inherently active. Listening to yourself and others is one of the greatest actions you can take. And three, be a platform. As an empathic listener, you can scale empathy by helping others listen to opinions in people they wouldn't otherwise. So think of today as the preamble. There's going to be much more to come on empathy to action. This is the nuts and bolts starting point. In case you are wondering, is it selfish to focus on myself and first in developing my empathy skills? Shouldn't I? Isn't empathy all about helping others? It really isn't. The answer is a hard no. I always loved the line in the airplane uh, safety instructions. So, you know, in the days when the flight attendants would be like modeling where it wasn't computerized, you know, now I think it's it's all computerized. But I picture a, a flight attendant standing there, then the voiceover narration coming over in the plane saying, remember to put on your own mask before assisting others. Why? Because we are no help to others if we are not calm and secure first. How can we strive to understand others when we don't understand ourselves? I want to put it on billboards as a metaphor for global empathy. It's just, it's the best phrase. We all know people who we consider tireless givers. They're seemingly the ultimate empath. But notice that they're often the same people who we would do anything to get them to accept help or to treat themselves to something or to show themselves more kindness just just once. We know these people. Empathy to action isn't about martyrdom. That is not what we're going for here. It's not to be a martyr. It's not valiant or reverent to ignore yourself. On the contrary, help yourself before you help someone else. And I promise the reciprocal benefits await. Thanks for listening. Hey, one more thing before you go. If you or someone you know is ready to let go of something, let's make it happen. Set up an introductory call with me at inkind.buzzsprout, that's B-U-Z-Z sprout.com. To listen, just search for Inkind on your favorite podcast player 